The following podcast contains some strong language and some very average opinions. Any references to actual people are wildly inaccurate. It's probably best if you don't listen at all. The Roaring Peacock Podcast. Welcome back to the Roaring Peacock Podcast. This is the New Year special review and we will be talking about the the previous season in part one and the Premier League season in part two. Uh, we're also joined by the uh, magnanimous. Is that the right word? It's probably, I'm trying to make a complimentary word. I'm fishing in my... Yeah, that's, that's nice. That'll do. I try to be magnanimous every time I lose. <laughs> Just which fishing in my brain for a big word that sounds that sounds good. Yeah, that'll go. do. <laughs> that'll do. Yeah, sounds convincing. Um, uh, Ross Bell, our man on the post. Hello. And Alex, our riot badger. Good afternoon, everyone. Go straight into part two then. The year continued as Leeds broke their transfer record several times in a slew of transfers that gave us a summer market, the likes of which we haven't seen. 40 million splurged in a day after our big rivals Brighton refused to free Ben White. Brazilian winger came in for chips on deadline day. It was champions versus champions in our first Premier League game in the most watched opening to a season. More happened in the first 30 minutes than every Burnley game ever combined. (laughs) Wins against Fulham, the Blades and... Sorry, the Blunts. Two-point Blunts. There you go. And uh, Villa, including a hat-trick from Bam God, saw us dreaming of Europe before coming crashing down to earth with a couple of back-to-back 4-1 batterings. As the world kept going round, there were more ups and downs, beating Newcastle 5-2 before, we're told, we lost some game on the 20th. Finishing the year by out-Brexiting Burnley's Brexit football and completely demolishing the baggies where the year began and finishing 2020 on 30 scored, 30 conceded. So let's talk first about that summer transfer window. I, I don't remember... I don't remember Leeds ever going in the market like that. No, I don't. Not recently, anyway. No, you'd be going back to um, Ridsdale's time, yeah. wouldn't you? Um, and, of course, the difference back then was that the, the structure of transfers was was slightly different. So I think I'm right in saying that did Fernand not arrive in November and, you know, it, it, there wasn't quite the, the congested sections that in, of weeks in which he had to get everything done but it, it I mean I have to say quite a lot of us were, were blindsided by what went on because we were certainly under the impression to begin with that they would they would focus quite heavily on what was in the championship and they did like Ollie Watkins a lot they they looked at Ben Rama to begin with but then kind of backed off from that one and and never got involved but the the deals that started to come and obviously they, they would have taken Ben White if they could have got Ben White but they'd been looking at, at Cox certainly um, Alter had been following him for, for years and years and um, as the deal started to come in, it, it did feel like they were pushing things to to a different level. Especially, I felt with Rodrigo as the first one, which was such a such a marquee signing. Although I, I do wonder if over time the best value for money recruit of, of that window is going to be Rafinha because he looks he looks excellent. <laughs> well, this is it. I mean, he he was quoted, wasn't he, in ESPN Brazil as saying. He was narked because Ren had told him that they'd hold out for sixty million euros, and in the end, <laughs> sold him for about seventeen. 
And when he came over and, and you, you'd had a, a flick through his CV, you thought that 60 million euros would have been pushing the boat out, to say the least. But, I mean, the, the way he's playing, you, you, you would not be selling him now for 17 million quid. No, that the goal last night was exquisite. That's terrific, yeah. I think they said on match of the day too that, you know, there's wingers that have cost a lot more than him in the Premier League that are not doing half of the things that he's doing. Yeah, and so, you know that Ian Wright is talking about Pepe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was great contrast, though. 70 million quid, 72 million quid yeah, for million. Pepe. And I think the thing about Rafinha is it's not just the pace or the, the left foot or whatever else. He's so good. His touch is so good that he can play in and out of really tight areas. And he seems to he seems to be very good at making the right decision. It was quite interesting when he was subbed against Burnley. I thought the, the 10 minutes or so before he came off was the first period where he where I'd seen him start to do the wrong thing mm. and you know start to look for passes that weren't there or to, to, to make the wrong decision in situations where Leeds were under pressure. But in the main, he's so good at reading what's going on round about him. It's not, like, it's not just a case of spending a lot of money on somebody who's lightning quick. Yeah. He's very unselfish as well. It's like our uh, standard for Brazilians at Leeds United is Roque Jr. <laughs> and Adrian. So we're expecting Adrian essentially um, in different boots. But he's he's always look. He looks for the pass first before the shot, which is amazing for me for such a skillful player. But that also says a lot about like who he's surrounded with. He trusts who mm-hmm. he's playing with. So yeah, it's, it's really good. Everton, wasn't it? He just he wanted to pass that ball. Yeah, no one, he no did. one was open. No one was in space. Sorry, I just whack it in the corner. I think again because he, he knew that twenty five yards out the percentages for beating you know um, Pickford from there were not great. Yeah. Um, but so he, he does the right thing and he looks for the other ball, but then there's nothing on, so he thinks, "What the hell? Have a hit," yeah. and then it goes. I was reminded of Adrian the other day. I, I was I saw a chance upon a news clip about um, fishing rights. There was a, a <laughs> they brought out a fish and it was flapping around everywhere. It's, it's not. <laughs> we we wrote about him during the lockdown. Actually, my colleague at the Athletic, Jack Lang, um, did a piece with me, and we were. Um, it, it, it everybody agrees that he's a really talented kid, but I think bless him, the the whole thing at Flamengo with um, the, the next Zico and all that, which seems to be a habit over there, um, didn't half kill him somewhat. And the the last we could find of him, he was sort of playing poker down in in the south of France in, in Monte Carlo. It's not so bad I think, life, is it? I think you would say a, a slightly busted flush in comparison to what was expected of him, you know, five, six, seven years ago. Did he not miss a game because he was midway through a tournament? <laughs> he did, yeah. yeah. He was um, he was at a uh, um, casino in Monte Carlo, I believe, or certainly um, on the, the Swiss-French border, I think. Nice. Living the dream. <laughs> As he was waiting for the flop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I so, that, that, that transfer window, this, this, like the, the the money we were spending didn't seem real because it had been so long since we spent that. But it, like we just broke the record two or three times in a couple of weeks. When we signed Lorente for like eighteen million, it just looked like just another another one of those players that cost that much money. Now. We're going cheap. Why, why are we only spending eighteen? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did we ever seriously make any moves for like Ollie Watkins or I know obviously Ben White uh, did, but Ben Rama as well. Yeah, no, there was contact, um, pretty serious contact with, with Watkins. It was basically a case of keeping that line of communication open in case it didn't work out with Rodrigo right. because they were quite open in saying, you know, they'd, they'd have happily done Watkins. I think they just looked at Rodrigo and Watkins, you know, similar price for both and, and felt that Rodrigo made sense because of his calibre and 
and everything else. Um, I mean, the, the thing to say is that they, not, not a huge amount of the £100 million or, or thereabouts was spent up front. You know, not a huge amount of that was flowing out of the club there and then. It's all amortised over the, the length of players' contracts. And, and I think a lot of the contracts, are, or the, the staggering of fees is back-weighted, so they'll pay more towards the end of them than they did at, at the beginning of them. I was told that the, the most they paid out for a player individually there and then was £3 million. Pounds. Mm-hmm. Um so and obviously a lot of it's tied into uh, clauses and um, add-ons and, and all the, the usual stuff, uh, but that's the difference that Premier League income makes. Really, you you go from a level where, you know, your your biggest signing for years is Bamford at, at seven million pounds to a level where your first signing costs nigh on thirty, and then on top of that you do, um, you know, another another three players at. Um, you know, 17, 18, 30 million as it was for, for Robin Cock mm. and, and Ben Mesley as well. Um, and just money money flying all over the place. It is a different world. Yeah, the Mesley one was just, it seems like a steal. Was it yeah, five million? It really does. Really it does. Just came out now, which is, yeah, he's now asked, plus we spent five million pounds on him. And that yeah. shot me five million pounds on a goalkeeper who was 20 years old. That's strange how it happened as well. Yeah, because he'd, he'd been at Lorient and he'd played and they'd been promoted and then they'd signed another keeper, which he wasn't happy about. I think he felt. That he he should have he should have been outright number one and there shouldn't have been much much challenge to that and he asked to go. Lorient were happy to let him go. The deal was done with Leeds that gave them the the option at the end of the season. So really, it was for Leeds to to control. And now you you look at him first choice under Bielsa in the Premier League, and it seems as if they've cashed out for a pretty small amount of money that, at five million that's pounds. Some confidence course, he wants to be the first choice and thinks he should be yeah. at nineteen years old at a French first division team. <laughs> And assuming in you know five or six years' time, we're not talking about somebody who showed a lot of promise and then you know didn't ultimately deliver. Like five million pounds is going to look like a look like a tiny amount of money if he's anything like as good as he seems to be. And how much, in your opinion, do you think the Ben Rama social media video put us off <laughs> that transfer? I think it did a bit. Yeah, yeah no, um, there were people at Leeds who were talking specifically about that, and it you know it came back to the question of is he going to fit into Bielsa's team is he going to fit into the dressing room is his attitude going to be right for what it's worth I think I think it probably would would have been he, he strikes me as a very good player this Ben Rama and I don't think he'd have been a, a bad signing although again you know hugely expensive and yeah. Brentford again doing what they do so well which is to to cash in big time on on players that they've picked up not from nowhere but players who they've obviously scouted really really skillfully but yeah I think I think it did make a difference, and they're always very, very conscious of that because they know that that anybody with a, a big or, or, I suppose, more specifically, a problematic ego is going to bang heads with Bielsa very, very quickly, and it's it's not going to work, and it's it's going to run aground. Yeah. Speaking of fashion, um, I am in t- my twenty twenty outfit. Uh-huh. Um, it's the New Year special, obviously. Um, so I've got my 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 bow tie. I've got my um, my waistcoat here. Very good. Um, Impressed. And I'm in, I'm in my shorts <laughs> <laughs> and, and my shorts, so <laughs> the, the full works. Yeah, why not? Why not? Dress up for the occasion. Um, so, Primark, Primark Christmas jumper for me. That's beautiful. Need, other other no, fizzy drinks. In a decent one, something. Other fizzy drinks are available. <laughs> Depends what you are, doesn't it? Yeah, but not Red Bull. Please. No, no thanks. <laughs> they d- don't deserve anything. No. I don't want to go down to the Red Bull Arena to watch the Red Bull Whites. I really mm. don't want that. Please I don't. was all for that in Steve Evans' era. <laughs> <Yeah. on. laughs> 
I'm just... not going to label them. There's already one big fight going on with Red Bull. <laughs> yeah. We we have a pretty big disclaimer at the start of this show. Yeah. Um, None of this is real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it seems as good a point as any. So if you haven't, um, please hit that subscribe button. And uh, how did they say it? Really? What do they say, these people? Hey, guys, it's your boy, the Roaring Peacock. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, ring that bell. And today we're doing the Phil Hay Challenge. We're not going to be that kind of channel, please, Danny. It may work. Put your abuse, abuse in the comments. <laughs> That's what they're there for. Oh, dear. Oh, God. I've got some uh, Leeds 2020 stats if you want them. Oh, go on then. Go on. So we, we played in total 37 games, almost a full Premier League season. We won 20 of those, drawn five and lost 12. So that's 65 points we gained in 2020. It's not bad. Uh, we scored 65 goals to go along with our 65 points. I like that. Now uh, we conceded 44. We've only had one red card in the whole of 2020. Who can remember when that was? Calvin Phillips. Calvin at QPR. I was thinking the other night. I, I got distracted by something else, so I didn't bother checking. But I was thinking to myself, I don't think there's been a red card this season. Yeah, right at the start of the year. We've done pretty well to get yeah. this far without another one. And then uh, Bamford's got 16 and 37. Not bad. Pablo and Clicker both got six. Dallas has got five. And OG and Harrison have got four apiece. OG was great for us last season. Yeah. Fantastic signing. Big, go- big goals at the right time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. even made a return last night as well. <laughs> so coming into the season then, we w- didn't really know... Where we would finish, I think most of us thought that we wouldn't get relegated. Um, probably most of us thought that we wouldn't uh, uh, we wouldn't get into the Champions League spots. Uh, but apart from that, um, I feel like we could have finished anywhere. How how did you approach that Liverpool game, Phil? And and how do you think we've gone so far? Gone really well. Um, I I felt like it would the the lots of chance for that Leeds would be lower mid table. So you know, kind of. 11th to 15th something like that I did feel like they, they'd be they would stay up and, and stay up comfortably I think the the Liverpool game was a great example certainly from the way we covered it of the, the total change in pace um, so from the, the massive tension of promotion and, and chasing that we did a piece at Anfield speaking to various family members so um, Cleek's parents and Hernandez's parents and um, Bamford's father and so on just to, to get a sense of what it was like for them watching the kids going into the Premier League um, some of them you know for, for the first time um, and it was just a bit of a, a bit of a celebration that I think celebration of promotion a bit of a celebration of the way Bielsa plays um, a, a bit of a robbery at the end that penalty which was, was I was going to say it was really soft I don't mean it was soft in the fact that it was given it was really soft in the way that it was conceded. You know, it was it was a bit needless that that challenge from Rodrigo. But I think straight away you you just got the sense that if they were able to play like that consistently or regularly, then they were going to be fine because they were going to give teams a, a proper good run uh, and and they were going to compete strongly. And I think what we saw at Anfield has been a pretty fair reflection actually of what's what's come since at, at both ends of the field. Yeah, scored 30, conceded 30. I'm pretty much yeah. sure we set our stall pretty early on what we're yeah. going to do this season. It's Simon Grayson <laughs> to Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> 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 naive tactics. Uh, they seem to be working all right, I think. I did want to ask you before I forget. Um, so you obviously, you you broke the you, your own curse by leaving um, the YEP. <laughs> That's right, yes, yeah. And joining the Athletic. Done. How is it with, with Graham now 
Um, is it is it a bit weird? Is it a bit like um, an ex lover that you might see on the street? Do you know what? Not at all. I, I think both of us probably wondered um, how that would be, but we've always gotten gotten absolutely great. I think I think the thing is, journalists in the main football writers understand each other pretty well because it it's a great job. And I mean, as people tell me constantly, including family members, it's not a real job. If you know what I mean, it's um, it's you know, it, it's nothing that you would call consequential in any way, or and never ever a matter of life and death, with with very very rare exceptions. Um, but you do a hell of a lot of travelling, um, a lot of late finishes. But it's slightly different this season, obviously, because the games are all over the place. And and you know, I'm I'm not going to a lot of the away games because we we only get one ticket, um, uh, one press seat at the Athletics. So it tends to go to to a home reporter. But you understand what it's like to get back from Chelsea at three in the morning, um, and you know what it's like at, to go to Old Trafford to get smashed. And then, you know, again, to crawl in in the dark and, and feel like it's been a bit of a wasted day from the point of view of the, the football that you've seen. And, you know, the, the hours are long. The, the, the job can be stressful and there are a lot of strains. And I think more so on a local paper, the job that Graham's doing, there's a huge amount to get through constantly. You know, he will file far more on a match day than I will, generally speaking, like last night. For example, um, so we've always gotten great. Never been been any issue there at all. And and as I say, I, I properly appreciate the, the strain of what he's having to do. He's like that step that he, he came he's in just, with the PS5. He's just lucky that yeah, he's just lucky that he's never had to drape <laughs> round Heston and um, and Hereford with Leeds. But in his defence, he's done similar and worse with Chesterfield. Yeah. So I can't throw any stones. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's paid his dues, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, I, I I think I was a little bit worried about that change because. Uh, change, top like change, like Phil. I want to read <laughs> Phil's stuff, please. You want to know Phil? Uh, it's like, and who's this Graham guy with a weird surname? It's Smith, but it's not. Um, but yeah, I think it's worked out really well. I think Graham's output's fantastic. I think your writing as well on the Athletic is well worth a membership alone, Phil, because I think it's it's a different style. I, I hope I'm not talking out of term, but it's a different style from what you'd write for the YEP. Yeah, no, it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, and and also you'd a bit more freedom to do what you want to yeah. do and more flexibility to to write at length but I always say to people there's a market for both mm. you know there's a, a market for what we do but there's very much a market as well for day-to-day news and, yes, and everything else which has always been there and and you know I, I think will always be there um, in the future as well I don't think that will that will change and I mean things change people come and go new faces come in and and you know you, you get used to the change very quickly it's always the same yeah so while we're on the subject of uh, media um let's Let's bring in Karen then, because it was it was the year oh, of the Karen, <laughs> the, the, the Karen Karen Carney rising, um, but it was the year of the Karen in general, and um, I guess everybody knows about that meme now. Um, but for three years, Bielsa has been here, and there's been talk of of Bielsa burnout. So it's a, it's a bit of a cliche at this point. It's been troped out over and over again by. A, a bunch of media commentators who it feels like they, a, a bit like me at the at the start of the uh, at the top of the hour when I when I introduced you and called you magnanimous, so that I just I was fishing in my brain for for a fancy fancy word that might sound good, and and these these people they they seem to have not done the analysis or the research uh, in order to have an informed interesting opinion, and they're just fished in their own brain for a football cliche around Bielsa and Leeds. So can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, it's not about gender, is it, Phil? 
No, it, it's definitely not, although you need to divvy this up into various areas of, of discussion. Um, I I like Karen Carney. I actually think she's a really good pundit. I, I can only really judge that on what I hear on Five Live because that's generally where where you know I, I do come across her, her commentary and the, her punditry. Um, so we're, we're talking about the comment last night that Leeds were promoted because of, of COVID, and I'm paraphrasing there, you know, that wasn't the, the exact quote, but that was what was taken to mean, and that was obviously the the quote that was used um, in one form or another by Leeds when they, they tweeted after the game. Um, I, I wouldn't agree with that opinion at all. I, I don't think it's a particularly good opinion. I don't think it's particularly valid. I, I mean, the, it falls down first and foremost on the basis that the point where the season was suspended, Leeds were actually flying. I mean, they'd, they'd gone five wins on the bounce without conceding a goal. They didn't really look like they were going to concede. They didn't look like they were going to drop off at all. And, and bear in mind that even though they had the lockdown and there was the, the big break between games, I mean, they also whipped them all the way through that. You know, they, they trained probably harder than, than any other club. And I'd be surprised if, they, if there were clubs who trained as hard if, if Leeds were in any way below them in a physical sense. It was just all, all hours. I, I spoke to Ailing about it and he said, you know, if, if you got Sunday off at the end of the week, you, you were lucky. But, you know, he was on you with the weight targets and the fitness routines that you had to do. And he was desperate to get us back into... Thorpe Arch and once he did you know it was like cracking the whip in, in the same way as before um, so I don't think I, I mean it's, it's possible that, that that period that you know the period to refresh and, and I guess to, to refocus a bit helped to make the form as good as it was in the last nine games but I tend to feel as if that form was was coming anyway um, and I still go back to the, the first season under Bielsa where I don't think they burnt out physically Um and I'm not even sure that they burnt out mentally. I just still feel as if they lost their nerve. I still feel as if at the point at which it was there to be done against Wigan in circumstances where it felt as if they couldn't lose, and then again against Derby in circumstances where it felt as if they couldn't lose, it, it, it all just fell apart. And I, I don't think that was fatigue. I do, do think it was tension, and I think it's the, it comes back to the fact that there has never been on the time I've covered Leeds, it's felt to me that there's never been a club with more pressure in the championship because Leeds are the club who have been away for so long, taken so many years to to recover from relegation. They've made a mess of it so many times. They've never never managed to get through the playoffs without getting beaten. And so that seemed to me to be the the, the most accurate narrative for season one. And last season, I genuinely feel that in the position they were in, they they would have they would have finished it off. I, I think that's fair to say. So. In terms of that opinion, I, I don't agree with it and I don't think it, it was a good one. And I think it, it's fair to call it out. But the problem is by doing what the club did with their tweet afterwards, it invited a, a bit of a pylon, to say the least. And unfortunately, what you know with Twitter is that when you start a pylon and, it's, and it's, it involves a woman like Karen, it's going to end up in sexist and misogynistic abuse, which is what happened. And not from everybody and not from most people. But there was plenty of that. And I, I think with hindsight, the club will regret the fact that, that they did it. I think it would make sense to delete the tweet and to accept that it didn't go as it should have done. I don't think that entitles anybody, me included, to have an opinion on the club that people aren't allowed to challenge, particularly if it's if it's wrong. But I, I don't think anybody should should think or feel that the way that played out last night was was at all healthy because because it wasn't and I did feel sorry for her. Yeah, I think the Hasselbank the tr- just agreed completely with her. No one seems to have said anything that. that well, uh, they they have and they do they do they have and they do Ross. That's the thing. Um, we have we are an objectionable bunch. 
as Leeds fans. I think it's quite, you don't need to take magic mushrooms and have a big revelation to realise that. Um, and we, uh, we abuse uh, male pundits regularly, yeah, on a regular basis. I think the devil's and advocate they, is that when abuse to male pundits goes out, nobody says it's because you're a guy. It's because of that penis get get back nobody, in the nobody garage. Says get, nobody says get back yeah, in no. the kitchen, do they? When um, that, when you get to that point, I, that's I, true. I think, but it's such a small percentage. No, it's such a it's such a tiny fraction. I mean, it's horrible. Let's that's clear. I mean, it's obvious that misogyny or sexism is is ridiculous. It's 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 stupid. It's banal. It's completely it's out of touch with reality. But what I'm saying is, if we can't criticize pundits. And if the club can't stick up for itself in the face of completely disrespectful diatribe that has gone on and on and on for three years now, um, what what can we do? What can they do to stick up for them? How, why can't they stick up for themselves? But but here's the point. I think they they said all these have obviously released a statement today, and they said themselves in it that they they've got a lot of respect for for Karen and that they you know. They appreciate her work and they didn't want this to happen. And I think in the case of, of her, she actually is a very good pundit who, who I suspect, I'd, I'd like to, to know, and I don't know if we ever will, but what she's made of this and whether she feels that what she said um, last night wasn't what she meant to say. You know, did, did she mean it to come out like that? Did she have a more nuanced point um, that, that she was she was trying to make? Um, in comparison, say, to a comment like that from Tim Sherwood, who you know, we're saying this lot of blown a gasket. They're supposed to be the fittest club in the league, which was, from my point of view, just a very, yeah. very lazy yeah. opinion and, and deserved to, to be challenged. But like um, like our friend Riot Badger was saying, it, it's there is a difference because with, with women on um, Twitter, they are prone to sexist and misogynistic abuse. And I do think that there was enough criticism of it on there anyway and, and I feel that the club should have been able to look two steps ahead from where they were at, at the point where they tweeted and to think about what was going to come on the back of that. There was obviously going to be criticism of her. There was obviously going to be criticism of what she said. And that's, you know, that's fine. That's the, the nature of the beast. But I think you then have to ask yourself, is it fair to let that lead into what is inevitably going to come? Not because the club want it to, to be like that, but because that's how Twitter always seems to go. That would be... That would be my point of yeah. view on it. I think for me, it's it, it's been tweeted with honest intent. I don't think it's been tweeted with any sort of sexism, like in implied or anything like that. I think, like you no, said, there, yeah. they've not thought about what that kind of um, it, it kind of gives a gateway to people to start that misogynistic abuse. And I took on a lot of opinions last night from other people. Um, I mean, my opinion is that it's fine for them to tweet that in a perfect world where everything's equal and mm -hmm. we've got a quality, yeah. we've got equity. That's It's that nuanced thing. I, I still think that they should have called it out, probably in a different way, um, probably not um, putting the video underneath it as well. Um, mm. It's it's all quite, it's difficult. Um, I disagree with the whole thing of saying that it's a sexist, we're now a sexist club, and somebody, uh, a friend of the podcast, a, a Villa fan, um, said that we are now the footballing equivalent of Bernard Manning to the football world, I think that is slightly over the top. Cool. Um, I think if we, if we can yeah. take two things away from it would be the conversation around sexism and that it's wrong and that that should be dismissed, those people with that opinion, and that maybe we, we should be asking for 
uh, more thoroughly researched punditry. Um, okay, so let's let's move on a little bit now and just go to final thoughts. So final thoughts for the, the year. Um, Phil? No complaints with it at all. Um, there was that wobble after Forest when I think we were all wondering um, and all a bit unsure about where it was it was going to go. But from that point onwards, it's it. I wouldn't say it would be unfair to say it's been a cakewalk because there's a lot of effort gone into it and a lot of top performances as well. But it's felt so comfortable and so natural and you've never had the sense of it, even since promotion, of it kind of hanging by a thread or coming apart of the seams, if, if anything. They seem stronger now than than they were twelve months ago, which is exactly what you want to do when when you go up. Um, and as I said, in what's been a pretty miserable year for people generally, for anybody around about Leeds United, it's been it's been amazing. Russ, uh, yeah, this last year is it's given me some incredible highlights. Luke Ayling unleashing the hair and the slide and the air guitar. <laughs> I mean, that volume is fantastic. His chicken dance at Hull that was great as well. And just it, it's the other clubs that have not been able to keep up with us, which is great. Forest hunting us down, Brentford talking all that smack and getting trying to get into our heads, and it, it just didn't work. We just blocked it all out and just carried on being us. And yeah, it's what a great year to be a Leeds fan. Alex, uh, just echo all that, and just I want, would like to be the first to say any news, Phil. <laughs> I made it an hour. Yeah. I don't. I mean, you've I never actually we're... shagged anyone who's, who's asked you to, have you? <laughs> not yet, not yet, but there's always, there's always time. Yeah, up. no, I think um, I, we were asking Bielsa about transfers last night, and interestingly, he, he went a bit further than he normally does by saying, look, if there's a good, good option out there, we should do it. Or if it's good for the club, then, you know, it, it would make sense. But I think if they go through a quiet window now in this one, they'll, they'll be perfectly happy with that. And actually, I think given the position in the league and, and the points they've got, if... There's no need to do anything yeah. rash. I think if they if they feel like it'd be better to hold off till next summer, then they absolutely should. Okay, so in the year that brought you locusts, bushfires, near nuclear war, and uh, a global pandemic, Leeds United got promoted for the first time in 16 years. As all others lost their heads, we kept ours and got up in the end. So that was your 2020, and uh, this is the Roaring Peacock podcast signing off for the last time this year. Have a wonderful, happy new year. So it's a very goodbye from me. My name is Adonis. You can catch me at the Adelites. And it's a very goodbye from Phil from The Athletic. Goodbye. A very goodbye from our man on the post, Mr. Rossbell. Uh, very goodbye. Catch me at Rossbell 1984. And it's a very goodbye for the last time and a happy new year from our friend... <laughs> <laughs> Have I been sacked for the very last time? Hang on. It's my P45 being delivered to me. To you, Alex, I'm afraid. <laughs> for the last time this year. <laughs> Have a great one, guys. Please stay in your houses. Don't go and socialise with everybody. Don't put fireworks off because cats and dogs hate them and I hate you for doing it. Yep. Um, have a good one. <laughs> Bye. Happy New Year. <laughs> Most of our stats come from LUFC Stats or LUFC data on Twitter. You should probably give them a follow as they're more interesting than us. A very special thanks to Adam Warner, Barney Stewart, Cookie, Ewan and Howard Metcalf, Josh Pearson, Laura, Leon and Rob, The Light Show and all our family and friends.
nobody said uh, nobody said anything um, controversial yet, unfortunately. Nah. No, I don't think anybody's mentioned kitchens. Or... I tried to tease it out of you, Phil. I tried to get some juicy <laughs> no, you, Victor you, gossip. You, you did your best. You did your best. You just mentioned the Nazis, but that's a, that's a weekly thing. So <laughs> 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 I 